Welcome to the Real Life Roundtable podcast, conversations about culture, Christianity, church, and community, and where all those intersect as we explore real life with one another. The Real Life Roundtable is a production of Real Life Community Church in Portage, Indiana. For more information, follow us at RLCC Life on Facebook or visit reallifecc.org. Hey, this is Pastor Rich Doring here with Pastor Ben Chattel. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Okay. So we're wondering what we're doing here on a podcast. Ben and I have been consuming podcasts here and there for a few years. And uh, this is the very first uh, edition, I guess, of this Real Life Roundtable podcast that we're launching. So um here we go. We're going to talk just briefly today. This is kind of an introductory one. We're just going to talk briefly, first of all, on why we're doing this. I mean, there's like a million podcasts out there. So it's not, I don't think that we like highly like think our voices are that valuable. Yeah, but we're, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Right, right. But we kind of felt like now was a time because of conversations. Yeah, I think that what we've noticed in in the time that we've been in pastoral ministry that a lot of times the most fruitful opportunities for us to share our thoughts or even share like what God has laid on our heart has been beyond just preaching. Cause a lot of times preaching, you end up spending a lot of time preparing for messages and preparing for sermons and kind of casting a vision, but then you're really just giving the highlight reels on a, on a sermon. And you're also just doing a monologue. Whereas a lot of times when we've talked with people and kind of shared our heart and learned from them, I think that conversations are always the most fruitful thing that you can do when it comes to communication because we're all we're all striving for relationships and we're craving relationships. And even though this is still kind of a digital relationship, it still feels a little bit more like we're all a part of a conversation rather than just somebody saying things at you. We can kind of flesh things out. And that's what I at least that's what I enjoy about podcasts that I listen to is usually the ones that I end up finding the most benefits are just people digging into the details of things and really sharing what's on their heart rather than trying to have this well-articulated small snapshot of how they feel about something. Yeah. And I think that plays into, I, I struggle with like sound bites and we kind of collect sound bites. We post sound bites. We like little quotes and everything, but the reality is, is that stuff demands a little bit more conversation that demands a little bit more attention. And obviously as pastors speaking on Sunday morning, different things like that, uh, particularly with our church, you know, we have just this short window and you just can't take the deep dive in some things. And sometimes it's, it's nice to be able to surround some things with context. And uh, I know one of the things that we're wanting to do is to make sure that we create space. So this is called round table for a reason. And um, you know, after a while we kind of get tired of listening to our own voices and uh, we want to be able to invite people to the table and uh, and share some insights, maybe their personal stories. Um, if there's a specific focus or specific thing going on in the world at, at the given time, uh, we just want to be able to have conversations that revolve around real life. And we understand that's the name of our church, but some real life conversations, real life round table where we can discuss at depth um, some of the things that are going on in the life of the church, culture, uh, just where the church and culture come to a crossroads, some of the tensions there. And uh, and today we're going to start, I'm going to ask Ben 
just really quick, and then we'll kind of tie things up at the end. But you know, what what's your relationship with God in the church growing up? Sure. Yeah. Um, essentially, I was raised in the church. Um, so my parents started actively attending church when I was born. I have one older sibling, so he was a toddler at that time. So I had kind of always had a relationship with the church, I guess, I suppose. But um, that's both a positive and a negative. It's a positive because obviously I have a lot of biblical foundations. I have a lot of knowledge about the Bible that has always kind of been ingrained in me. But then there's also just there's that pivot point in my life, I guess, where it has to become your own faith. And then you start to do what you're told to do and dive into scriptures and and try to learn more and have an active prayer life. And then you kind of start to come to those crossroad moments where then you start to establish what theology means to you and what you believe means to you and how that impacts your life. So I had gone through those seasons of life as I kind of transitioned into adulthood and I was always plugged into the church. I volunteered in the tech stuff. I would teach four and five-year-old children's church. I do plays. So I was, I guess I was a church kid and I never really dove too far into being a bad kid or anything like that. I think that for me, it just was the biggest struggle was trying to figure out um, who I was and who God was because I, I was good at following what people told me to do. But then when it came to figuring out who God is and how that impacts my life. Once I started going down that path, it started to become a lot deeper, a lot richer, but it, it added a lot of questions. And that's why I think I like having a podcast and having conversations with people who are fleshing out those same things is important because that was what I needed. I needed somebody to allow me to flesh out what my faith looked like because I was a church kid, but I didn't want to know how to be a church kid. I wanted to know how to follow Jesus and how to feel like I had a connection with Jesus. So I think that was that was something that I'm well still processing, but that was, yeah, that's my background. I was in a totally different denomination before I joined the church in Nazarene, which is the denomination that we are now. Um, yeah, I, I had struggled to figure out the difference between walking the faith and following the rules and I'm still learning. Cool. Cool. Well, I, um, I grew up in the Catholic church. So, uh, Ultimately, I one of the things that I kind of feel like most of the time uh, when I look back on that is we were Catholic by heritage, maybe more than we were by faith. In other words, I mean, I was when it came to God, I was just indifferent. I I went through catechism classes, confirmation, first communion. I, I mean, I did all of that. Um, I was an altar boy once, and maybe that's a conversation for another episode, <laughs> but. Uh, I just was indifferent. And I think sometime by the time I got into high school, late middle school, um, our church really kind of, our, our family kind of detached from the life of that church, the Catholic church. I don't know if there was something that happened. I don't know exactly all the details. And honestly, again, I was indifferent. I didn't really care. Um, but we just stopped attending. And then it was, it wasn't really until my senior year of high school. And I, I really did. I just kind of floundered around indifferent, didn't really have questions didn't I wasn't one of these kids that you know sat around and pondered the ends of the universe or whatever I just <laughs> which is the opposite of me because that was like I, every yeah, day of my, I mean my I guess life. I'm the cold one um <laughs> but you know it's just I just wasn't that kid I was chasing all kinds of stuff and uh so by the time I get to be my senior of high school uh, I started dating a girl her dad was a pastor and um I believe they call that missionary dating which I don't advise but 
uh, it did result in me giving my life to Christ and, and beginning that relationship of faith. And um, it was a pretty drastic turnaround at that point. I mean, when I when I fully you know put my faith in Christ, that's when my life literally did change completely and got me on the path that I'm that I'm kind of on now. So, yeah, and just to follow up, I know that you actually said that like you were a part of the Catholic church and I didn't really, I kind of danced around that, but I was, I was a Baptist. Um, and it was a very like fundamental traditional Baptist, which is a lot different than my stances and views now. And I think that where you said that you hadn't really pondered much about church and faith and stuff, that was, that was, I think a huge thing in my life where I had struggled with that tension of like, why, why is what I'm hearing on a Sunday morning not lining up with what I'm pondering and what I think that God is speaking into my life? And I'm, I'm sure that probably, hopefully, a lot of people that are listening to this have a little bit of both of our stories in their story or mm-hmm. maybe one or the other, but we are all figuring it out. And it's not like either of us had this thing where like we were born and we knew that we were going to be a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know what the church of Nazarene was. In fact, when I started going to a Nazarene church, everyone was like, Nazarenes, like, are those the people that never cut their hair or like what they're the ones that don't dance? Like everybody has their opinion in the Nazarene church. I didn't have any opinion in the Nazarene church because the Nazarene church I started going to didn't even have Nazarene really like broadcasted. So I was like, I don't know. But it was really when I started diving into the like beginnings of the Nazarene church where they were very missional. They sought out the people that were marginalized and they really sought after living like Jesus, who was from Nazareth. And everybody made fun of the fact that Jesus was from Nazareth. Like, how could something good come from Nazareth? And that's kind of the thing that the Nazarene church has adopted since its existence. And that was what kind of drew me in. It wasn't wasn't something that I knew about. I didn't know about Olivet or NNU or any of those. I was kind of just totally disconnected from the Nazarene world until I found myself reconstructing my faith in a Nazarene church, I guess. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you might not, I mean, we're throwing around this Nazarene word like crazy. That's just because that's the denomination we're a part of. And I think that one of the reasons that we've kind of felt compelled to do this podcast, too, is because I think every church, every denomination, every faith movement right now, um, all of it, just uh, call it Western evangelical Christianity is going through an upheaval and not just an upheaval, but, uh, a reformation as I guess what I would say. And I know among certain circles, the words deconstruction and, and things like that are kind of a dirty word, but, um, reformation is kind of a dirty word too. That, that's true. That is true. <laughs> but I, I kind of, I'm a fan, a fan. That's probably not the right way to say it, but I, I'm not discouraged by the idea of people saying they're deconstructing their faith. I think there's, just an automatic defensiveness that comes up among evangelical leaders when they hear that word deconstruction, because it insinuates that there are people that were taught things that weren't true or that there was damage done and nobody ever wants to own their baggage. And so, um, you know, kind of going from a positive bent on this, you know, some of the things that I'm most encouraged about when it comes to just the church in general, not just the church that we're part of, but the church in general overall right now Coming out of COVID, kind of, um, coming out of just the turmoil, the political, the racial tension, everything, I feel like the church is kind of being handed a second chance in a way. Um, I mean, you and I, and again, one of the reasons that this feeds into the idea of a podcast is because we've both been engaged in conversations as of late with people uh, either returning to the church or understanding that 
the church can be like a, a place where you can have conversations, where you can ask questions. And we allow ourselves to let our defenses down. I don't, I don't think that there's ever been a time where I felt like I've had to defend my faith or something's going to happen or something's going to break. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm lazy about our faith or lazy about where our church is at on different things, but I'm super excited about the conversations that we're able to have right now with people because we've kind of opened the door to have those conversations. And I think there's a huge opportunity to, for people to really get refounded, I guess, in a, in a walk with Christ. And at the same time to be missionally engaged in the world around them. We're called to, we're called to live incarnationally in the world that we find ourselves in to represent the kingdom. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. I mean, the word deconstruction is a scary word, but we're deconstructing all the time, mm-hmm. whether we're doing that with our faith, but just even life. I mean, like when you learn something new, you change the way you light you, the way you live based on what you've learned. There's a reason why we use electricity. There's a reason why we drive cars and don't ride horses. Like when you, when there's a better way of doing things and if there's better understanding out there and if you gain knowledge, I mean, wisdom is knowledge put into practice. So deconstructing is just growing based off of what you've learned. It's not destroying, like destroying your faith is just saying, I had, I no longer have a faith. Deconstructing is like, let's see how we can rebuild it, how we can reconstruct something that is more solidified in what we believe. Um, with what's exciting for me and what is encouraging for me about being a part of the church is that Believe it or not, the world is ready to embrace the gospel of Jesus. They just don't know it yet. Um, There are organizations that have nothing to do with Jesus in their branding, in their vision, in their mission statements, but they're trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They just don't know it yet. So if the church would kind of get over the fact that we're not trying to solely evangelize people and, and solely tell people about Jesus. But if we actually start to live like Jesus, all of a sudden doors start to open up in the community with people that don't know Jesus for us to be Jesus. And I think that those are all around us. Like the the world is ready for the gospel and the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is being built. We just have some incredible opportunities to be a part of it. If we see life and if we see the world around us, our workplaces, what's going on in the community, even our political realm, as messy as it can get, there are opportunities for us to to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to live out the gospel everywhere we we live and everywhere we do life and i think that that's that's not a burden for me that's exciting for me because i think that the more even just being in this geographical location even only for a year there's so many opportunities to meet people that just love people they just don't know that that love comes from Jesus yet and i get to to do the slow work of getting to know them and sharing my story in hopes that they can make the connection that the reason that they love people and the reason that they have a burden for people is because god created us with that burden so that that's exciting for me yeah cool all right i'm going to set you up ben for like this big huge question so um I've had the privilege of knowing Ben for a number of years. Uh, when Ben first walked into the church that I was pastoring, uh, he jumped into ministry activity really quick. And um, I met his fiance. I was privileged to take them through premarital counseling. I was able to speak into their lives at an early place and marry them and be there when their kids are born and all this kind of different stuff. So, Ben, Who has been like some of one of maybe me, the biggest influence in your life? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) 
Who's been some of the biggest influences uh, in your life regarding just kind of what your views are now regarding the church and culture and and the church's role uh, in the world today? Like, what has been the biggest influences? Um, I guess I got to go like bigger names. Like, I mean, there's people that have had. I mean, I'm sitting right here. Is right. there like a a bigger cool name? Because I'm part of the cool of, kids club. Man. Outside of Rich. Um, no, a lot of the, the ways that I look at the church now and look at Christianity and look at faith, I mean, they've been shaped by some big names in the church that aren't even really a part of the denomination necessarily, but like people like N.T. Wright, like reading books that he has written mm-hmm. about faith and how he can pull stuff from the Bible that I never even thought about. But then when you look into it and you dig a little deeper, you realize like, wow, he's right. And this right. is something that I totally miss. So the thing, I mean, that, the thing that you need to do with N.T. Wright though, is you got to go listen to him talk, like find something online to listen to him talk so that when you pick up the books and start reading, you them, can read in an English You literally accent. can't read it without hearing his voice. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So, I mean, he's one of them and he's like, obviously an old school guy. I mean, newer people that are kind of becoming bigger voices in my life and speaking to my life are people like Sky Jatani. Um, he's got a lot of books. He has his own podcast. He has his own daily devotional. So, I mean, he's somebody that is influential. Um, there's a guy named Jimmy Doral that maybe a lot of people don't know about. Mm. Um, so he started a church. He moved into the poorest area of Waco, Texas, and just kind of like moved into the neighborhood like Jesus did and ended up having a church under the bridge where there were homeless people living under the bridge, worshiping with people in the community that had more means. And it was just kind of this free space for people to realize what it looks like to be the kingdom of God. And I mean, he built that church into hundreds of people and not that it's about numbers, but it just showed that living authentically and living Christ-like is going to bring people's attention. So, I mean, he's somebody, he's written a couple books as well. Um, another person, Eugene Peterson, um, he did the, it's not the translation necessarily, but he worked on the message, which is kind of like a, a more palatable and easier way of looking at scripture. So it's not like an official translation, but he did that work. He's written a couple other books and just the way that he looked at pastoral ministry, especially towards the end of his life, um, has really spoken into my life just in the ways that this is a, a long game. This is a, this is patience. This is the slow obedience, making sure that you live a life of integrity and obedience. And then sometimes you just kind of have to let the chips fall where they fall and not get so consumed with the, the task at hand. And then there's, there's just other ones. Um, Rachel held Evans has books. Tara Beth Leach has books. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people. I, I try to read a lot. Um, going with denominational people, Scott Daniels, he's over at NNU. Uh, he's yeah. a professor there and he also has written a lot of books. He also, um, pastors college church there. And he, I could listen to his sermons every week on top of our sermons. And he's got a couple different podcasts. He's written some stuff and he's been really good at helping me, um, make sense of things like the creation narrative and eschatology and stuff like that. Cool. Cool. What about you? I would have to say Scott Daniels too. He doesn't know that, but, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I've been really fortunate over the years. Uh, there've been men, uh, in my life who've just kind of come along, mostly pastors who either took pity on me or saw a deficiency and thought, man, somebody's got to come along him side him and just kind of help. And so there are several people in my life, several pastors that have, that have been there. Uh, Scott Daniels, again, is a good one. Um, his books, his writings, his approach to ministry, um, his gentleness, um, his 
very careful ability to handle sensitive topics well. Uh, I ended up actually calling him. It was the summer of 2020 when just there was racial strife. There was all kinds of stuff with COVID and everything. And I just, I messaged him, called him out of the blue just to see if he would chat just a little bit about how he handles certain things. And so I think it's just really valuable to have people like that in your lives. N.T. Wright, again, um, just from a, a book standpoint, different things like that. Um, my father-in-law actually probably more than anybody has modeled for me, um, just genuine, authentic servanthood and what it means to just really have a pastoral heart for people and to serve people with no intent to receive anything in return. And, um, so I've, I've been influenced mostly by the people that God has just kind of intersected into my my life. Yeah. And I just wanted to make you sweat a little bit. Like, obviously you do have an influence on my <laughs> I, life, but since oh you, since you couched that question that way, I was like, I'll just make him think that he has no influence, <laughs> but no, Rich does have a lot of influence in my life. And, um, I remember thinking about it now, now that I've done my share of premarital counseling, he said something in my premarital counseling with me and Hillary. And it was like, I don't know why, but I just like, you know, I can see leaders in you too. So I want to make sure that you just are like thinking about that. And we, we talked a lot about leadership and like, not just leadership in the home, but what it looks like for us to be people that are our servants. And you, you saw the servant heart in us, but then it also could have just been pastor talk. You could have just, maybe that was the line yeah, that you it was gave just everybody. Total fluff, man. Every, Sorry. every new, uh, set of people going through premarital counseling are all told that they're special by rich storing. Um, but yeah, there's another pastor (laughs) that I have a relationship with and he was the one that actually kept feeding me the opportunities. Um, his name is Brent and he, it was one of those things where he would tell me, Hey, I think you should do this. And this is why. And he would explain it. And I would just tell him like, Hey, you're crazy. And then he was crazy enough to continue to convince me. And he was really, uh, impactful and kind of getting me to get out of my comfort zone. But then even now he's somebody that I, I respect a lot because he stayed within his convictions and he, he knows what he believes and he's continuing to seek the will of God for his life. Even if that means upsetting people. And even if that means taking seasons out of pastoral ministry, and he's just somebody that is going to stick with his convictions and his wife as well. And, and that's a couple that has been really influential in our lives as well. So there are people in my life that I know, Um, I just went with a different route for that question, but yeah, no, you're good, man. So here's a, here's a loaded question that I'm going to give you Uh and well, it's not going negative, but everything's not all rainbows and butterflies. So what are the most challenging and frustrating things about the church today? We said, we said what we're encouraged by, but there are obviously some days where the frustration mounts. So what are those things that you struggle with? Yeah. So so I've been doing this now for about 25 years. I just, I don't feel old, but um, I think what makes me seem old is there's just a lot that's happened in those 25 years in the world. And um, I know everybody has their sob stories about the generation that they live in and the season that they go through and all that stuff. But um, I've not been concerned so much about the rapid changing of the world or the culture or anything like that. I think probably the most challenging thing today is recognizing that we're kind of in a re-discipleship mode. And I don't know that it's frustrating. It's just a reality. Um, In church lingo, there's, I think there's just a recovery going on right now from the church growth movement, um, from the mega church movement. Uh, from a Christianity, particularly in the West, that's been very commercialized and branded and consumer driven. 
Um, and I know that that's, you know, when I use words like that, there's always somebody who's like, oh, you know, they, they get upset with that. But the reality is, is there's no generation that's going to get it perfect. And for every good thing, there's always going to be other things. And so I think part of the struggle right now is helping people understand, hey, church growth movement accomplished some good stuff. I mean, I'm technically, right. I guess I'm a product of it. You know, I got, mm-hmm. I got, uh, my faith was grounded at a Luis Palau crusade with like 3000 people down going to pray at an altar. And so that, that speaks to that whole church growth that speaks to large gatherings, all that kind of different stuff. Those aren't inherently bad, but they're not a product and they're not right. a destination. And I think unknowingly for probably a generation or two, almost we've, we've somehow turned discipleship into consumerism and allowed ourselves as the church leaders to disciple people to consume. And if you treat people like consumers, you don't get the right to act surprised when they like act like consumers. If you're not offering what they're looking for and they decide to, you know, pull out of Walmart and go to Meyer. I mean, that that's what they're going to do. And they've been trained to think that way. They've been trained that a Sunday morning worship service is a destination, that that's a, a culmination. And then mm-hmm. if that doesn't, you know, muster certain feelings or certain emotions and not that, not that it shouldn't, but they're just not destinations. They're not formational things that over the long haul, and you mentioned Eugene Peterson before, uh, The Long Obedience in the Same Direction is one of the most profound books and every, oh, yeah. everybody should read it. But it's this reality that, hey, this is a journey that you're on. And there are high points, there are milestones in that faith journey, but a Sunday morning worship service doesn't get to manufacture those for you to, to eat. And if you don't feel quote unquote full, take your self somewhere else so that you can get what you're looking for. I think we've done a huge, huge disservice to the world that we live in by modeling for them, or or maybe the best way to say it is to lack modeling for them a true kingdom ethic and a true um, understanding of what the people of God actually look like Mm -hmm. and what they sound like and how they love, and how they express their faith. Um, If all that is just what we see in a Sunday morning worship service, I mean, if I was in the world, I wouldn't bite. I wouldn't wouldn't be interested. And that's what I was talking about with like, what I was was encouraging is that there's so much gospel happening around us. When all we focus is on is Sunday morning, we're all here in the building talking about the gospel wall. The gospel's happening all around us. Mm-hmm. And then we're praying and praying and praying. What, where is this revival? When is the gospel going to happen? When is this all going to happen? I mean, it's happening. Right. And it's, it's decentralizing Sunday, I guess. Exactly. And for me to be, you know, the question of being frustrated, I'm not, I'm not so much frustrated by it. I'm, there's a part of me that's saddened by it because I feel like people have been robbed of a lot of peace and joy. Christians have been mm-hmm. robbed of a lot of peace and joy and fulfillment because after you give yourself to something for so long and still find yourself in the same place or trying to pick up the pieces because what you've been a part of has crumbled apart because there was no foundational strength or health underneath of that thing. It's sad uh, to watch that. I think the the biggest challenge right now facing 
you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I'm not trying to be prophetic or anything, but you are wearing a robe right now though. I am not, I'm wearing a real life shirt, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think that one of the biggest challenges is rediscipling disciples to have a different view of the church than maybe we've conditioned them to have and, and a willingness to have enough faith to let go of some of what was not that what was is bad, but then a willingness to leave some of that and cleave on to what is next. And I think what's next is a really kind of exciting manifestation of what it means to be the, the true body of Christ in the world today. And, um, and I think what you said earlier is true. There's no shortage of people. I mean, I, this is goofy, but I, I was at the chiropractor yesterday and literally I'm sitting next to a woman and she and I are having a conversation and it led to where have I lived before and all that stuff. Well, what do you do? And of course, that's like the shutdown question. As soon as I answer that, usually people are like, oh, okay, well, we can't talk anymore. They try right. to, mm, did I cuss earlier? I don't know. You know, they ask those questions and she's a little started crying and she's like, oh my word, I, w- I was praying that I would meet somebody and here's this moment where I'm, and she's like, I, I don't go to church anywhere. I don't go to church anywhere, but I'm, you know, I pray and I ask God to help me and everything. And here you're like sitting right here. And I've got this situation. She shared with me a situation in her life and it's a, it's a situation. And so right there kind of in a, a closed off waiting area. And so I grabbed her hand and we prayed and there's no shortage of people in the world today that desire that closeness, that intimacy with God. The question is, well, well, first thing, it didn't happen in this building. Right. It didn't happen in the church building. It happened where the church was, and the church was in a chiropractic office yesterday, just like the church is not in this building that we're sitting in right now at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. It's wherever the church is, and the church is people. Mm. We need to get back to the rediscipleship of people to understand that. and the church essentially sorry right, that was that was long that's all right i so preach do i do so. i get to air my yes my dirty air your grievances so again like i said earlier as somebody who's been a part of the church for since i've been living um every church in any denomination across the world not even just country talks about this thing called unity And one of my frustrations, I think, and something that I think is hurting people inside the church and hurting people outside of the church is that our talks of unity is let's unify about our importance. Let's unify about our methods. Let's unify our goals. Let's unify with the latest and greatest trends, but we're not unifying around the message of Jesus. And that's, that's a really broad statement. And I know that that's a really judgmental statement, but give give an example. Well, I think that especially in our culture, we, everything is so individualized. Mm -hmm. And when things are individualized, when, when you create a culture of individualism, which is across the board, not just the church, you automatically compare yourself to other people and you compare other people to other people Mm -hmm. and you become really inward focused, which can 
reveal itself in two different ways. It can reveal itself in being prideful and thinking that you're always right. But then it also can, on the flip side, reveal that you're never going to measure up. And I think especially with like things like social media and media in general, I think we have a huge comparison problem. Like Mm -hmm. it takes whatever you're passionate about, like just the way that society is moving with social media and with our our lack of relationship and our lack of understanding of unity means we have to be actually together. What it does is that I could be passionate about even my faith, but very quickly I get launched into an environment where we're not unified. And then you become to compare your, you begin to compare yourself of, am I, am I faithful enough? Mm -hmm. Or are these people faithful enough for me to surround myself with? And then even, I think, even it crafts our lifestyles and the lifestyle of Jesus is not hashtagable. And I think we live, (laughs) we live in a world where we're chasing the brand. We're chasing the methods. We're chasing whatever success looks like. So I think even if we say that we're unified around the Bible, if we're not unified in how we're supposed to live like Jesus, again, like you talked about, then you just produce consumers. And I think that consumers is, it sounds so negative and it sounds like we're ripping at people, but it's, it's unfortunate because when you see yourself as a consumer, you're hurting yourself. Well, and, and so, it's easy, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but even as pastors, I catch myself being a consumer. Right. You know, I, I when it comes to spiritual things, I, I catch myself wanting to make sure I I catch this information or I read this next thing that's coming out. And in a sense, I'm consuming and I'm consuming because I'm looking for answers for something for myself. And and it's very easy to kind of fall in that trap. Plus as a pastor, whether we like it or not, everything revolves around metrics. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've got to figure out a better way to figure out if we're doing a good job. And unfortunately it all comes down to numbers most of the time. And so Sometimes when we're sitting in meetings, sometimes when the pressure is on or we know that maybe somebody's not happy about something or things like that, we immediately start thinking about, oh man, what 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 can we do to get more people to come? What can we what do we need to do? What do we need to produce? What do we need to say in order to get more people to show up at our thing? Or again, you try to look at unity as like what is another church doing that we're exactly, not doing? Like exactly. What, then it's the comparison game. Yeah. It's why are they going to that church? But, and I think it, it goes beyond church too. I mean, what better way to rob yourself of peace and joy than to be so consumed by something, mm-hmm. even a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then when you're, let's take parenting, for example, or even hobbies. Like if you have a hobby that is great and fantastic. And if you have a family, that's great and fantastic. Obviously I have both of those things, but just the way our culture is how it runs. If I have a hobby, my algorithms are going to put me with a bunch of people that have that same hobby. And then I'm going to see the highlight reels of their life. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say, well, they're enjoying that hobby more than I am. Now I don't even feel good about my hobby or I don't even have joy being a parent because now I'm wrapped up in these parent groups or I'm wrapped up in this algorithm, this, this pool of people that are in the same season of life as me. And now I'm immediately thinking, am I measuring up or why are they doing that? And I'm not doing that. So that you just, you can, you have no joy when you can see what, if you see the highlight reel of 1 million people, it becomes really hard to be satisfied with that long, slow path of obedience or trying to live like Mm -hmm. Jesus, because 
Jesus wasn't consumed by what all those people were doing. He was being obedient and being obedient sometimes means that yes, you have hobbies and yes, you find joy in life, but you can't chase other people's lives. All right. So on a scale of one to 10, Ben, how frustrated are you with that? Um, in the life of the church world right now, in the life of the church world, I guess in both life in life in general and in the church world, I would say like a seven or an eight. Like it, I think that that's the biggest barrier, at least in our culture. And it's something that even I fall into. I just think that how much energy, how much mental space do I still allow it to be taken up by comparing myself or mm-hmm. wondering if you're meeting certain expectations. Yeah. yeah. And even, even I have to constantly do a check on myself of what my expectations of my own life are, because we're not promised to have a life where all of our expectations are met or someone else's expectations of our life is met. And I mean, you have to make sacrifices, not just as a pastor, but you have to make sacrifices. If you want to experience some of the stuff that Jesus is promising us, there are, I mean, it's all throughout his words and his teachings. Like you have to take up your cross, right? Taking up your cross is not dying for Jesus. It's not martyring yourself for Jesus. It's carrying a cross. Like Mm -hmm. we forget about that part. We want to just pray a prayer and then get to heaven. And it's not only dying to Christ. It's, it's living for Christ. It's, it's, it's walking that walk. Mm -hmm. And that, that means sometimes you got to get tunnel vision and sometimes you have to be happy with the gifts that, that God gives us. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about gratitude and thanksgiving in the devotionals right now in our sermon series, man, social media robs you of being gracious and, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and having gratitude for what you have, because you might celebrate what you did in the moment and then immediately see somebody else doing something that's better and think, well, this was fun, but now when do I get to do that? Right. And like, we know that we know that, but then what do we do? We always chase at 10 o'clock at night. We're <laughs> the phone in our hands scrolling right. through one right. last time. You know? Right. By the time the, yeah. the car is closed and you're unpacked from something really fun, you're already seeing the next thing that you could be doing or that somebody else is doing. Yeah. Like they're just, yeah, it's that's hard. that consumer thing. When you, when you allow yourself to become a consumer, your appetite is never satisfied. Right. But I mean, I don't want to just share what I'm frustrated with and have that be the end of the conversation. Cause I mean, I'm not frustrated in general. And I think that there's, there's a lot of good that the church is doing and there's just so much joy in being a part of the church. But I just feel like, yeah, the more we embrace the life of Jesus, the more we can seek his ways and make them become our ways. I mean, there's just so much about being a part of the community of, of faith and the community of building the kingdom of God and being the family of God. It's, it's what I want to see. It's what I want, what I want to experience maybe selfishly, but I also want others to experience that. And I just think that we just have a great opportunity for us to really see the fruit, experience the fruit, find nourishment in the fruit, but then Mm -hmm. also nourish the world around us with the fruit of the spirit. I mean, it's really that simple where, what are the fruits of the spirit and how can I, strive to consume that and how I can strive to live a life that produces that. Because I think that if anything we've learned over the last few years, anybody that is living and breathing today wants more peace in their life and they want more joy in their life and they want to feel contentment, but there's so much stuff pulling at your contentment and trying to get you to be discontent. And I just think that if we would just look to Jesus and look to the fruit and kind of go back to basics that we'll start to find that peace that everybody's looking for.
Yep. And I think, you know, the thing I'm encouraged about and just kind of maybe leaving a, a word of hope a little bit. Um, again, we're in this time where we get to be on the front end of realizing what the church looks like moving ahead. And um, being a pioneer, I, it sounds really kind of weird to say that, but being a pioneer is interesting and hard. Um, there's a book called Canoeing the Mountains, and one of the illustrations that they use is is uh, Lewis and Clark. You know, they get to the edge of the water and they run into mountains, and the question becomes, how do you canoe the mountains? You can't canoe the mountains. Um, the mission is still the same. The methods change. It's not going to be a better canoe. It's not going to be getting the right people in the boat. It's literally living off the map and going where you never thought you'd go before. And, you know, if you would have asked me 25 years ago when I started in ministry, I mean, literally, I, this is nothing like I ever thought it would be. At the same time, too, I'm like super pumped. I'm like excited to be a part of ministry. I love this. I can't imagine being or doing anything else. Um, is it frustrating sometimes? Sure. I mean, so is driving a truck or, I mean, everything's frustrating at some point. Right, right. But, um, but I've guess I've just never been more confident in the mission of Christ and in love with his church. And so I'm, I'm super excited to see where these conversations go, um, to hear more voices, to see how people are processing what it means to live out their faith, live out literally, truly embodying the fruit of the spirit in the community that they live in and, and being a part of that conversation. Yeah, no, I think that that's definitely, I would echo that. I think that, it's never been a better opportunity than to be a part of the church, but to be a part of the church, to be a part of the community right. of God. I think that's beyond brands, beyond everything that is about institutions and stuff, but just being the church and just figuring out how to be a community that's based on love. I think we all want that. Yep. Well, listen, if you're still with us, <laughs> contrary to what this first episode probably sounded like, our goal is not to like talk about ourselves uh, a whole lot. We really want to get into conversations with people. We want to be able to to digest uh, what other people's stories are and their experiences and things like that. And obviously, there will be times where we share just snippets of our lives and and different things like that. Plus, uh, if you're part of real life, we're probably going to be talking about what it looks like for you to have a question. If there's something you heard in a service or you've got a question about life or faith or culture um, or the church. And, and and where those things intersect right now, uh, we want to provide opportunities for like like that for you know in the future as well. And uh, like like I said, contrary to what this may be sounding like, we I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we won't talk about ourselves <laughs> like crazy. But then there's I'm this, already thinking right now how I can edit all of my no self advertisements out. No, this is, this is going to be an evolving uh, thing. We just, we feel like this is an opportunity, uh, particularly if you're part of real life, but you know, I mean, it's not our desire to go viral either. I want to make sure we're not like trying to create a platform for ourselves, but um, you know, we want to platform Christ. We want to platform conversations about Christ in the church and culture. And um, we know, obviously we pastor at real life community church in Portage, Indiana, and we're a part of a region and we want to be able to share, you know, what's going on in the life of the church a little bit and be able to speak to some of the processes that we're seeing play out uh, in real time when yeah. it comes to how how we're fleshing out what it looks like to do ministry 
um, right now in, in the life of this church and probably contextually in the life of every church right now in the United States and Canada. Well, then when it comes to questions too, like there is not a question that somebody has that's maybe hearing this that a bunch of other people don't have exactly. to. They're just yep. afraid to ask it yeah. or they think that it's a question that disqualifies them from being a part of the faith community, but the faith community is all about questions. And this gives us an opportunity that if somebody does have a question for us, not only can we answer it for them, but we can answer it for anybody else who might have that same question. Because when you're pastoring a lot of people and you just, you can't answer all the questions all at the same time within a two hour window. So if we can answer some deeper questions and if we can really think and ponder on those questions, maybe we can come together and share an answer that not only is enlightening for that person and giving that person clarity, but maybe there are a dozen other people that had that same question that's preventing them from taking their next step. And I think there's also the willingness to say, we don't know, you know, we're fleshing out our own understanding of what that question alludes to too. I think it's appropriate every once in a while to be able to say, I don't know. Yeah. And you know, we're, we have a faith and a faith dictates the, it just necessitates the idea that there, there's just things that we don't know. We take steps of faith. And when we do that, we grow. God challenges us, changes us from the inside through the work of his spirit. And so, um, yeah, yeah. We're just trying to, to create some space at the real life round table. Ben came up with that idea that, that. Yeah. So if you don't like the name, so we're not going to, we're not going to vote on it. I don't. I mean, I don't have time to redo the logo. Podcasts can evolve. <laughs> they can change logos. They can change the way things function. They can change hosts. If people get bored with one of us, maybe there'll be a new host. Um, and hey, yeah. if you're in the region, uh, Northwest Indiana, great place to live. And for some reason you stumbled across this, we would love to see you. We worship at nine and 11 o'clock on Sundays here. We just got through this whole consumer conversation. Now I'm saying, hey, yeah, come see us. Join us. But, uh, but seriously, Stay we're just tuned for the ads. <laughs> yeah. We're just a church trying to flesh out what it means to love Jesus and, and love people and serve the world. And uh, we're always excited when people jump in mission with us. So, um, and maybe, maybe we can help you too. So, yeah. And we're learning. We're, we're, constantly searching as well. I mean, Rich said that he was at the chiropractor the other day. Um, I spent the first 18 years of my life thinking that the chiropractor was evil and going to the chiropractor was evil. And well, I didn't really want to go, but I did. Well, we're all learning is the bottom <laughs> line is that sometimes you only know what you know until you know something else. Hey, so. and you also need to know about real life. We're not the only voices. There's a, there's a great staff here. There's incredible, a uh, group of leaders in this church, volunteers, servants, and uh, we're both newer here. So we're really getting to know people really well. And it's been fun. It's been a really neat journey so far. So we just want to make sure you know that we don't like think like we're the voices of the church, but um, the church has one voice and that's Jesus. So uh, we're just trying to lead in that direction. Yep. If you've made it this far, we really hope that you stick with us on the journey. Um, things might change. Things might shift a little bit, but we're hoping to have some good conversations. We're hoping to get a lot of those questions and maybe even some other people to, to lend their voice and to talk about what they're doing in the region or what they're doing in ministry or even maybe beyond that, just to, to, to talk to some people that are really trying to embody Christ so that way we can learn from them and then you can learn from them as well. Cause we have a lot of opportunities to get to know people and we would love to share those people and share their stories with you. So if you stick it out, uh, hopefully this will not just be me and Rich talking about ourselves ever again. And we can hopefully give you some stuff that you can, can glean some wisdom from in the future. So 
We will talk to you either on Sunday or next week. Peace. The Real Life Roundtable is a production of Real Life Community Church in Portage, Indiana. For more information, follow us at RLCC Life on Facebook or visit reallifecc.org.